This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Levy Matkin, CEO at LiveStreet. Levy, welcome back to the Business of Us podcast. Thanks for having me again. It's good to be back. Great. Uh, thank you for coming by. Okay, let's set the stage first. Chat DPT from OpenAI, Barth from Google, Llama from Meta, and a decent number of smaller players are firing on all cylinders to power the generative AI revolution that took off late last year. Of course, for folks who have been listening and watching the AI space for a while, it was not a surprise, but for the rest of us, it was. Generative AI based on large language models are changing the business landscape. Today, we want to talk about its impact on mobile ad campaigns. Uh, Levy, you were on this podcast last year, uh, but for the folks who didn't listen to you back then, Let's tell, talk about you for a while and your background in tech. Sure. I'll be pretty quick since it's a repeat for some, I suppose. So I've been uh, in tech for, I think, about 20 years now, which is kind of crazy. Oh, um, it I, is. I got my my start sort of like in the early days of search advertising. Um, and, you know, since then, I've sort of worked for company is pretty big and small, uh, co-founded a couple of my own companies, and now for the last 10 years have been at Life Street and have been the CEO for close to three now. I bet it's pretty interesting uh, every once in a while to look back 10 years, 15 years ago and compare your thoughts and worries back then and what's happening now, like looking at things in perspective, right? Totally. It's uh, so many things stay the same and so many of the tools and the underlying technologies have just changed dramatically. Right. Um, now, what is Live Street today? Uh, what sets you apart from the rest uh, of the market? Sure. So Live Street's a mobile marketing platform, um, you know, built entirely for performance advertising. So functionally, you know, that means LifeStreet is primarily a mobile DSP um, that helps both app developers and other performance advertisers sort of find their audience at scale on mobile apps. Um, in terms of what sets us apart from the rest, obviously, I don't get to see under the hood of too many other uh, programmatic platforms, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, there's a few things that I'd highlight. I'd, I'd sort of say agility. Um, you know, we're a bit of a smaller team. There's 55 of us or so, um, but we're engineering driven and have the ability to capitalize on new technologies like generative AI pretty quickly. Um, you know, beyond that, we are expanding to support more than just app developers. Um, so, you know, there's a big world of performance advertising out there um, that I think doesn't quite yet know how to advertise in app very effectively. And we're working to support that um, and then lastly, you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't highlight sort of the team and the culture at Life Street. You know, I've been there, it'll be 10 years in November, um, and I am nowhere near the longest tenured employee. So we have, you know, a super strong culture and a really 
strong uh, history of collaboration and, you know, getting things done. Yeah, the last component is really essential for me uh, because technology may be more or less the same in every company. You may, you know, be different if you present here, if you present there, but the team is always unique. And since we're spending so much time for work, uh, the team you're running with this marathon of business should be really uh, the, the one you're really comfortable to push the envelope to move it forward uh, for a long run, right? So that's Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, ChatGPT has been available for everybody for more than six months now. What do you think about it personally? What is your take? Um, I think it's an incredibly powerful tool. I think, you know, I probably went through a bit of a cycle like most people did, which was, you know, read about it on day one or whatever, um, you know, write, have it write poems or, you know, kind mm -hmm. of silly things. Um, and then I kind of put it away for a couple of weeks. And then I was like, I was like, that's mind blowing. I don't know how to use it. Um, you know, and then I think a few weeks later, I went back to it and I started to understand a little bit more that, you know, just like different ways you could use it and how prompting it sort of gave entirely different classes of results. So I think, you know, all of us that weren't sort of like heavily involved in large language models prior had a, a bit of a learning curve and, you know, as of right now, you know, it's pretty integrated into some of our workflows at Life Street and some of my personal workflows. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of just take the view that, yes, you know, there are problems with hallucination and, and other sort of drawbacks of these large language models. Um, you know, we tend to believe them regardless. They, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, kind of believe themselves or really good at sounding like they do um but i'm of the opinion that you know we will mostly get past that and these things are just massively powerful tools that you know with the right guardrails and oversight can just you know really sort of change how we interact with technology yeah there's always this um gap between the initial reaction the first take then uh, there's always a chance that after a, a while, a few months, um, it may either continue to climb up, became more and more um, in demand, be became part of the other tools, the adoption rates goes up. And if it doesn't happen, it was just a fluke. But for ChatGPT, it's definitely not the case. We see all major players are taking it on board. And uh, we're going to cover some of this later in this interview. So. Um, every advertising campaign is obviously fueled by ad creatives. Uh, so what do you think about ChatGPT replacing a design team to handle ad creatives generation? Uh, so if, as things stand right now, generative uh, AI tech is ready to for this task or still needs to be a human's intervention uh, revision. Uh, do we see already some tools that app marketers can use that have built-in uh, chat DPT capabilities? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think as things stand today, I think it's a 
in most cases, a very helpful tool for a design team to use, um, both for ideation and production. Um, my sense is that, you know, it's likely not sort of like replacing a design team right now, nor is it, you know, ready to in the very near future. Um, so absolutely still requiring human revision. Um, and there are absolutely tools out there already um, that marketers can use. You know, we are leveraging generative AI in-house. You know, I've seen some cool tools that, uh, you know, do voiceover for video ads, all sort of AI enabled, for instance. Um, so these things are out there right now and, and more and more are coming, I would say. But you know, not ready to sort of just take a design team's function entirely. Yeah, I, I heard this um, uh, description, uh, the analogy that as things stand right now with ChatGPT and similar gender AI tech, it's kind of a toddler age, not even a teenage. Uh, you know, if you're comparing the AI with a human being, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't trust a toddler your business to run. And necessarily, that it has to be a good start, um, like uh, the rough, the, the draft of something, and you have to interact with this, uh, with your own brain and polish it to hundred percent accuracy. Um, and I particularly like that, even you know, uh, the giants like the biggest uh, players like uh, Google and Meta, on their ad platforms, they kind of a play safe. Uh, we know that text generation is pretty much a good hit. Uh, you're not expecting a lot of uh, hallucination here. So uh, based on your own idea, it can give you nice suggestions either from Google ads or Facebook ads. But then if it comes to graphics, they play safe. You can replace background, um, which is not like creating from scratch the entire graphic and which can be not that helpful or just uh, intelligent cropping again something that machine can do pretty well and you're not expecting big problems or mistakes in this respect but um not like as of stands right now uh, they're not pushing to you know here's your uh, ad created with a single click of a button um, based on your just initial prompt and you're done so yeah the 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 like the, the major players realize that we're still business there's got to be a work to be done to perfect the tech to the point probably next year probably later that will be like more ready to just handle the process um take the bigger chunk of the work of ad production yep i think that's right the ad bidding uh is the heart of programmatic advertising uh can we see an improvement powered by advances in AI? Obviously not generative AI, but AI in general. Uh, what about A-B testing? Uh, how can AI be helpful with this respect? Sure. So, I mean, I, I would maybe challenge a little bit of the assumption because we actually are, you know, so we've been using sort of like deep uh, neural nets for, you know, quite a few years at this point. Um, there are advances in AI that are helping power uh, wins in our modeling platform for sure. Um, mm -hmm. But we are actually using uh, large language models to help our predictions. So, you know, a thing that we've been doing is using 
ChatGPT for data augmentation. Um, so, you know, a, a good example of that is, um, you know, there's hundreds of thousands app of apps out there in the world that uh, mm -hmm. we have the opportunity to bid on. Um, and, you know, it's outside of categorization that uh, either we do manually or the app stores do. It's really hard to find connections between apps at really small data sizes for a campaign. So, you know, we're using ChatGPT, for instance, to tag sort of characteristics uh -huh. about apps from our own sort of app database that we have um, that's then able to sort of generalize across um, those apps. And so we're actually seeing some kind of encouraging wins from that and are using sort of that tagging uh, methodology, I guess, elsewhere too, um, which is pretty fun. And well, that, this is an unexpected. Uh, I, my initial assumption was that uh, generative AI can only be uh, strictly in terms of, you know, pricing, um, setting the frequency, uh, different set of filters to a narrow campaign. But yeah, actually using generative AI, uh, it's power to categorize apps. Uh, just like you were saying, um, you, you don't have a lot of information for each app. It's not a website, it's the app from the app store. So you have only a few bits of information and you you need to be able to link certain apps and build this set. And again, um, with this task, are we talking about um, uploading the task completely to AI or there's always this button for a human being to set, to click edit and change something? Uh... That particular task is mostly yeah. automated um, for us at this point. Anything that goes out like in front of a user or anything, I am a pretty firm believer that today needs to have human oversight. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, in terms of like adding uh, signals to the models, uh, we're, uh, I, I think it's a little well, significantly less risky for the types of use cases that we're uh, employing it at so far. That's pretty cool. Um... So creatives beating A-B testing. Uh, what about analytics? Um, any recent improvements with providing marketers a better insight? Um, any room for improvement? Definite room for improvement. Um, this is an area where we have done, honestly, some investigations and thus far kind of determined uh, the insights we're able to see are not reliable enough today. Um, you know, we haven't sort of, I have some hope that say like the Wolfram Alpha uh, plugin for ChatGPT could make some of the analytical functions more reliable. Um, I think it's going to be there, but I don't think it's quite there yet. Um, you know, I've certainly tried to upload data and my team has uh, and tried to understand trends and, you know, insights, but uh, reliability is significantly worse than an analyst doing that at this moment. Yeah, so I suppose uh, as of things stand right now, it's pretty hard for a toddler to <laughs> grasp right. with analytics. Yeah, you, right. we shouldn't expect from you know, that age uh, to be that, that smart. Uh, costs. So we do want ROI to go up or at least stay high. Uh, does generative AI can really help to decrease costs for programmatic advertising? I think so. I mean, I think it's uh, it can certainly help on the creative production side today. Um, so if you're, you know, my view 
is that most content creation, um, not just in ad creatives, but like writ large, is going to approach zero as an incremental cost soon. So, you know, functionally at some point soon, your, you know, the cost of that creative is approaching zero and therefore, you know, platforms are able to pass on that savings along. So I think that's, that's coming. Um, you know, we're not really speaking for ourselves. We're sort of not really using it as a cost reduction tool right now, more of a just massively increasing the amount of personalization and variance that, uh, that we can create sort of with the same team. So we're, you know, the two approaches are do the same thing and have it cost a lot less or similar things, or, you know, massively increase your output at the same or, you know, marginally lower cost depending. And that's kind of the approach we've taken thus far. That said, of course, that may change as the tools get more and more independent maybe, but, um, yeah, I think there are cost savings to be had. Gotcha. Uh, speaking of the team, um, I don't want to miss this question because it's on the minds of so many professionals and not only professionals. Uh, do you see generative AI, uh, AI in general, have an impact on jobs? Uh, do you see the ad platforms at team shrinking because of AI or not really? I do. Um I know, you know, there's a group of people that every time a new technology comes out is very worried that it's going to impact jobs. You know, there's yeah. sort of like the famous, you know, horse to car transition, to cars. And, yeah. you know, people working in stables or making shoes for horses or whatever, we're out of jobs, but, you know, more mechanics were hired and things like that. So historically, we haven't seen real like displacement from technology, I would say, Um I don't trust that to continue personally. I think that at some point, and I think we're probably approaching that point, um, it will just require less human labor to get these things done. And I don't at the moment see sort of like functional replacement jobs that they create as a result. I think we as a society will have to figure out what we want to reward and how we want to keep people employed um longer term but yeah i don't i don't think we're just gonna you know have a whole bunch of like ai prompt engineers that were you know on the ad creative team i don't think there's enough work for that so yeah totally um i can definitely see why we see um some people are really getting worried about the situation because, you know, um, it's been for a while uh, knowing that uh, tech gradually replacing certain jobs, but many people felt kind of a safe knowing that, okay, this job is too complicated for a computer, for a computer program to replace my job. All of a sudden, uh, getting a sense, uh, experiencing what ChatGPT is capable of doing, it's kind of a, you know, cut them off guard. Oh gosh, my job is actually in the jeopardy. Uh, actually, somebody can do writing as as I as, as I do even better than me based on my previous experience. Like if I'm a writer, 
ChatGPT can just grab the whole stuff written by me prior this, to this moment and just do the way I do, uh, and I don't need any more in this job. Um, um, that that's that's my question for um, advertising teams in uh, on the ad platforms. Are they as time goes by uh, getting more people? Like, will teams will get bigger, uh, hiring more people, or just staying lane? Uh, easier to start a new business with a few folks and not grow a team later on, uh, saving more money, uh, you know, using uh, funding they're getting for projects development and not for hiring more folks, this kind of thing. So uncharted territory, right? Yeah. I mean, you're already seeing that with companies focusing on profit right now anyway. So that trend of staying lean and not growing teams massively, I think is certainly here now it is interesting though because i think a lot of us assumed that you know the truck drivers or the warehouse workers or whatever yeah. were going to be the first ones automated out of a job and then chat gpt came along and we realized that Oops. we might have been building these things that are automating ourselves out of jobs so a little bit of uh irony at this point i don't know um it'll be interesting to to see what happens and how we react though yeah fingers crossed whatever it means uh levy looking back at your experience uh your years in programmatic advertising uh, what would you like to change about this business the most that's a good question i think if i were to sum it up i would uh want to wave my magic wand and have sort of like better incentive alignments in the whole ecosystem. Um, you know, a good example of that maybe is, you know, when we lost uh, IDFA in most cases, you know, you saw developers react and generally speaking, were showing more ads to users. So, mm -hmm. you know, the developers were looking to maximize their revenues um, and that came at the direct cost of user experience. So that's, you know, one example. Um, you can certainly argue that, you know, rewarded video and rewarded advertising uh, helps solve for that. And I would make that argument, um, which is nice. Um, but I think you also see, you know, sort of incentive misalignment between, you know, ad tech vendors and app developers buying media as well. I think there's you know, if I had to put it, I think there's a a real goal for a lot of vendors to show return on ad spend and show results for uh, their advertisers. But I don't quite think that's exactly the same as uh, actually driving those results. Um, so there's a gap in there between, you know, say a bunch of like attribution gaming that you know is sort of we all know happens um where you may run the same media but you know figure out if you were able to uh you know make changes to your ad templates or whatever that are actually claiming more uh installs um, via the mmps then you're going to get more business from your advertiser and that i think has created just some weird uh artifacts that uh that don't put sort of ad tech vendors and advertisers quite in alignment at all times so you know i think 
in the best world, you would like to think of your partners as kind of extensions of your team and not ones that are like uh, trying to, you know, rip you off and look the other way when fraud happens and things like that. So, I mean, I think we all remember sort of like the Uber, um, you know, fraud kind of, uh, I guess the lawsuit that came out, you know, a number of years ago now where they were just getting gamed because they weren't super sophisticated. And I think that's like a prime example of, you know, they were, they were out there trying to get results and other companies saw an opportunity to look the other way and, and maximize their revenues. Yeah. It's, uh, it speaks to me to the fact that, uh, uh, tech is, uh, still, uh, I believe one of the most unregulated areas, um, on the, in business. Um, and, um, it gave the whole, uh, um, the whole system, a good, uh, um, freedom to grow fast but as we know move fast uh, and break things is not the best way of moving forward is facebook and uh testament uh, but um this is to say that just like you're saying um it's a bit of a wild wild west probably not a bit of a lot of wild wild west uh where um on many occasions people do not have you know uh the the interest of their partners uh like um, in mind they're just uh trying to meet their own bottom line their own agenda and um that's not the way the business should be done definitely okay that was my final question but before i let you go how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do sure you can uh, always go to lifestreet.com um, to find out more about what we do at lifestreet um I'm on LinkedIn, just search for Levi Matkins um, and feel free to get in touch with me. Terrific. Levi, thank you so much for coming back and spending another episode with us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for having me. Cool. And that was Levi Matkins, CEO at Livestreet. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes in your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com. 